Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. We're talking about the windows of heaven, throwing open the windows of heaven. The windows is a uh, word used in scripture to denote that which is accessible, that which is over every person's life. Every person has a window over their life. How many have at least learned that much in the series so far, that you got a window over your life and you need to pay attention to it? That window can open, that window can be pushed open, that window can be closed. Because the Bible talks about open windows and closed windows. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, See if I will not throw open. Would you all shout the word throw open? Yeah. Alright, so we're, we're saying to the Lord, throw open the windows of heaven over my life and let it pour in. And I want to push those windows all the way open that you will pour out so much blessing that I won't even be able to have room for it. The idea of the word blessing there is spirit, soul, and body. It's not just finance. It's every part of your life. God wants to bring blessing into every area of your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your decisions, your relationships, your working. Every part of your life needs to have the richness of God's blessing. Heaven's treasures is behind the windows that we're talking about. And I have given you five categories of heaven's treasures, the provisions of God, the presence of God, which is the transformation, the idea that the Lord Jesus can change us through the presence and the Holy Spirit, the providence of God as God is working and bringing all the pieces of our life together as heaven is open over our life. We realize Romans 8, 28, 29, all things work together for good, the good God working a good plan for our good future, tying all the pieces together, even the mysteries of suffering, the mysteries of misunderstanding, those things that uh, really we don't even feel service at all can serve us as we serve the living God. He can cause even those things that are not to become your servants, those things that are opposing you to become your servants, and those things that even came into your life to actually hurt you can become a servant to the purposes of God as you submit yourself to the Lord Jesus. We're talking right now about the preview of God, and the last one will be next weekend, the promotion of God. Today is the preview of God. When the heavens are open, there's a preview or a foretelling about your life. This is what we mean by the preview of God, to see in advance the God-given vision for your life. That God vision, that God thought that God has for your life is very real. God knows exactly, as you know, if you know anything about the Bible or anything about the attributes of God, you know that God is eternal. There's no beginning and no end. You know that God is already at the end looking back at the beginning with us, and so he can tell everything that's going to happen because he's already been there. God is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere at the same time. God has all the wisdom. He has all the power to pull things together. That's where providence is so important because God has the power not only to see what's coming, but to change what is coming. We might have power to see what's coming, but we don't have power to change what is coming. God has power to not only see what is going to happen, but make those things that's going to happen to actually work for his good and to use his power to orchestrate and to maneuver our lives into the purposes of God. The word preview is very important, and it has the idea of knowing in advance what God wants to do in my life. 
All right, Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 1. Just one scripture that kind of lays a foundation for what I'm saying. There's many scriptures that talk about this, but this one's an easy one to see. It came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chabar. That, and notice, and I hope you have your Bible open, just mark this scripture. The heavens were open, and I saw visions. Open heavens, multiple visions. Heavens were open, Ezekiel 1.1, and I saw visions. Ezekiel's in Babylon. Ezekiel's in captivity. Ezekiel's in an idolatrous-run country. Ezekiel's in a no-God country, no absolute country, no worship country, no temple country. There is no Jehovah country here. Ezekiel's by the river making his own tabernacle, his own presence place. And at that particular time in Ezekiel's life, it says even though he was around all this filth and Babylonian stuff and everything else, just like our modern culture and the day and age that we live where we have so many idolatrous things around us and things that are Babylonian, we can still have open heavens over our life. I want everyone to shout, Amen. No matter where you sit today, you can sit with open heavens in your life. I don't care where you work. I don't care where you live. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what the society looks like. I don't care if you live in the, in the worst hellhole in some city that's the, the worst part of the city or you live in, in the most blessed, uh, uh, righteous little city in the country that just has a, you know, kind of an homage setting where everybody just uh, kind of lives a simple life and there, there's no uh, R-rated movies going on. There's no... Uh, uh, video stores, there's no pornography magazines, it's just an Amish little community, that's a great place. It doesn't matter if you're in an Amish community or in the hellhole of New York, you can have open heavens. Open heavens is not conducive to society, it comes through the Holy Spirit of the living God. And so as we open our heart to the Holy Spirit, the heavens are open and we start to see visions. Now, my question to you this morning is, do you have a vision for your life? Do you have open heavens over your mind and spirit? Are you thinking the thoughts of God? Do you have a preview of what's coming? Do you have any sense of where God has taken your life? Do you have any sense of divine purpose? Do you really feel that your job and your life and your relationships and the place you live and what you're going through and how you're going about it are all purposeful in your life? And you can see the divine hand of God in every one of these activities as you fulfill the purposes for your life. If you don't have that sense of purpose, you need open heaven, you need a vision. You were created to fulfill purpose. You were created to have a driving force inside of you that's leading you down a particular road to see the visions of God fulfilled in your life. Everybody has rights to the visions of God. The word vision, here's three definitions you need to have down. Vision is the ability to see the future before it comes into being. So to preview is to have a vision to see the future before it comes into being. Now remember this, and this might be a a great way for you to know who's talking to you, who's shaping you, who's influencing your mind, your spirit, your heart, what's going on inside of you. This is one of the keys I've learned, and I see it in Scripture, and I've experienced it. The devil deals with the past. God deals with the future. Whenever you start feeling that pressure of digging up the past, living by the past, being defined by the past. 
When you feel the pressure of maybe the frustration, the condemnation, or the lack of that comes into your heart because you look at your past, remember this. Usually, that's where the enemy is going to come in and make you live in the past, make you think about the past, make you feel the past. Why? Because you can't do a thing about your past. Once it's lived, it's over. You can't do anything about it. Now, God does bring up some good things about remember his mercy, remember his works, and think about the redemptive story in your life and live out the mercy and grace. That's great. That's, that's the right. That's the Holy Spirit teaching you how to see the redemptive work of God in your life. But it's the enemy that comes along to bring condemnation and causes you to focus on the past and focus on what could have been. What could have been? If I just would have made that better decision, I wouldn't be where I am now. What could have? And that can drive you crazy. That can absolutely slam dunk you to not try to make any good decision because you can't change where you are now because of what you decided, what you did, what happened back there. It's just if I wouldn't have done that or if I would have made this decision, I would. Well, that's the past. God takes you where you are and moves you into the future. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're future people. Come on, some of you need to have a neighbor talk to someone right now. Come on, yell at them if they're so far away. Tell them, hey, we need to be a future people. We need to have a vision that sees the future before it happens. Vision is the ability to unveil what is hidden and see it clearly. Sometimes we have a future that we're grasping. Some of it we can't see totally. There are many things in our future that are veiled. We, we don't have a real clear shot on it. Vision unveils the hidden. Vision is God's revelation communicating and imparting into my life by His revelation. God began to open my spirit and I start to see. One of the great things about salvation is your spirit is lit like a candle. The illumination comes into the inner man. Ephesians 1.18, the eyes of your spiritual understanding starts opening, and you start grasping some things in the invisible realm with a vision for your life. It's one of the greatest things that happens to a person. If you give somebody a vision for their life, they can live it. If you give somebody a vision for their life, they'll change. If you give someone a vision for their future, they'll let go of the past. If you only deal with their past, only deal with what's wrong with them, and you don't give them a vision for what could happen, they struggle so much with what is happening because they can't see what could happen. Got to get a vision for your marriage, a vision for your children, a vision for your job, a vision for your own ministry, a vision for your future. A revelation of God that comes into your spirit where you finally conclude, I don't have to think this way any longer. You know what? I don't have to live like this. You know what? I don't have to feel like this. You know what? I'm going to change the way I look at everything because so far it's not working out the way I used to think. So I'm going to change the way I look at life, the way I look at people, the way I look at myself, the way I read the Bible. And you'll notice immediately your life will start changing because you'll start building a vision for your life. In the Bible, there are a number of people that have vision. And it comes out of Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. This is a great verse for everyone to own. This is the translation of this verse that I like. There's many translations out there. This is one that kind of says it the way I see it. I say this because I know what I am planning for you. Says the Lord, 
I have good plans for you. Not plans to hurt you. I will give you hope and a good future. I don't know about you, but I feel better already. I feel better that I know that God is actually planning for me right now. God is actually orchestrating, strategizing, writing down, thinking about Frank DiMaggio as an individual, as he is you. You might not feel valuable, important, or that you think heaven would be concerned about who you are, but heaven knows who you are. Christ died for you as an individual. Christ loves you for who you are and loves you so much he wants to change you into something that you will even love more yourself. God has a vision for your life. God knows what you can be. And so God is orchestrated and planted. And God is saying to you, now remember this. I have a good plan for you. And remember this. I have a good future for you. Remember this. I am the God who loves you. I am a good God, merciful God, compassionate God. I'm a God who can do things for you that no one else can do. Give me a chance to let this happen in your life. I want you to see this, this this message right here. I want you to get a hold of it and say to yourself, I know that God has a good plan for my life, and I'm going to submit myself to it. I'm going to flow with it, because God is working all things after the counsel of His will, and His will is a good will. Can I hear an amen? Amen. That's your verse. People who had a preview experience in the Bible. I have 14 of them. But I'm not going to preach the 14. I'm just going to put them on the slide right now, all of them. All 14 of them. Because there's a scarlet thread that runs through all these people's lives. Now, if I had time, and I have scriptures for every one of these, just so that I can meditate on it myself. But as you go through every one of these, you will find something out that what I'm saying is absolutely true. God gave every one of these, and more than what you're seeing on the screen, a preview of their future. God spoke to them before it happened. God laid things out before they could even see it themselves. God had to pick them up, lift them up, open their eyes and say, listen to me. It's not going to be the way you think. I have a plan for you. Now you're going to have to leave the Ur Chaldees. You're going to have to cross the Jordan. You're going to have to uh, believe that the wilderness has wells in it. You're going to have, there's all these things, but God says to these people, I have a plan for you and I'm going to give you some hints. I'm going to open up some activity in the invisible realm and you're going to begin to see where I'm going to take you. Noah. It says that God forewarned him and gave him a view of what was not yet reality for him to get ready for it. He said, Noah, now listen, this is what you've got to do. He preached it to everybody. Only eight people believed him. But what he saw was a preview. Abraham. Abraham was living in the Chaldees, and God says, Abraham, I need you to separate from your family and your household and your country, and I'm going to send you on a journey that... Well, I'm not even going to tell you the final destination. I just want you to start going. Abraham could have stopped right there. That's Genesis 12.1. If you only had Genesis 12.1, that'd be the end of the history right there. Because Abraham could have said, no, my household is all I need. I love my household. It's a big household. I'm head of the household. And my country is my country. My culture is my culture. And, uh, you know, I'm comfortable with the greatness I have right there in that world. I have a lot of greatness right there. I have people that respect me. And God was saying to Abraham, listen, Abraham, this is the deal. 
If you can leave your smallness, I'll take you into greatness. In order to leave smallness, you always have to get yourself into an uncomfortable situation or respond to God leading. And God says, leave your house, and I'm going to make you a father of many houses. Well, I don't know how that's going to happen. I mean, that's a... I will make you... Um, well, leave your nation, and I'll give you influence over many nations. Matter of fact, I'll make you a father of nations. Well, that's... Leave this little bit here... And look at the stars and the sand, and that will be your future, multiplied by millions. What a word. What a preview. What an awesome prophetic picture. But Abraham had to leave. People missed that part. He had to pack up and say goodbye and hug and kiss and, and weep and, and go through all the emotion and answer the question, where are you going? <laughs> I don't know. How far is it? Never been there. Well, how will you know when you get there? I don't know. I just think I'll know. I mean, it, would, it, was, it was not normal. And it never is. When you start moving out of your comfort zone and you start getting a preview of your life and you start seeing things that start happening. Jacob was the same way. And, and then Joseph, the young man, gets the two visions, you know, and, and God gives him a preview that all this stuff's going to happen in his life. But sometimes God gives you the previews without the cost. He shows you, oh, even your mom and dad and brothers are all going to bow to you. Whoa. Matter of fact, the sun, moon, and stars, I mean, you're going to be, oh, this is awesome. Yes, Lord, I'll take it. Promotion is mine. Bring it in. But God doesn't give you the few, few valleys between those mountain peaks. And as you're going through it, you say, Lord, why didn't you tell me there was a pit and a prison and rejection and, and hurt? God says, because you probably wouldn't have believed the vision. So I give you the honeymoon shot, and then I give you the real marriage. I get you to be in love and love each other and go to dinner and, you know, man, just the perfume knocks you out, you know, in the aftershave. Oh boy, you know, and this guy is just everything I ever wanted, you know, and that's honeymoon. That's great. That's how God gets us to get married. <laughs> and sometimes it goes better than that in marriage. I think all marriages grow much deeper than that. But if you actually saw everything that would happen in marriage, some of you may never get married, and some of you already heard too much. And that's why you're waiting. Well, I don't know. You know, you have a wife telling you what to do. I mean, what's with that? Well, that's, that's, the God, that's God's way. <laughs> what do you mean, what's with that? You need someone to speak into your life. Well, God doesn't always show us everything in every move, but he gives you a preview of what can be. And then you start moving there, and then God works on you to get there. Can I hear an amen? amen? All of these people, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, Gideon, David, Esther, Solomon, they got previews. But every one of them paid a price for the preview. Every one of them had to change in order to fulfill the vision. Every one of them got more than what they even saw in the end result. But they had to change. And so we will have to change. I want you to put down four scriptures, and hopefully you can read these 
If you do devotions during the week around anything I preach, hopefully we can stay in, in step with each other. Here's four scriptures you can meditate on. Personal preview experience scriptures is what I call them. And personal preview encounter, encounter scriptures are really what makes preview happen. Remember this. There has to be an encounter before there can be a preview. Previews don't just happen to lukewarm, half-hearted people that are going their own way. There has to be an encounter. There has to be something that crosses your path. Personal encounter scriptures, Matthew 4, verse 18. Jesus finds the two fishermen, Peter and Andrew, and he says, Follow me and I'll make you fisher of men, even though they were close to doing the will of God, and this is what it's like, I think, many times. We get involved in the natural realm, in our talents, with things that are around us, and we don't really understand that's all preparation for the purposes of God in our life. These men are fishermen. They understand how to catch fish, and Jesus says, you know, you're very close, parallel to what I'm going to do, but I'm going to make you fisher of people. You're going to have to bait. You're going to have to get out on the water. You're going to have to... but." You're close. And then he comes in Matthew 4, 21 to uh, James and John. And they weren't fishing. They were mending and washing their nets. And Jesus says, you know, you guys are very close also to where you're going because you're going to be cleansers and menders of the church. And you look at their epistles and you look at their ministry. James and John were not the evangelists. They were the pastors. And so in, in sometimes in the natural realm, what's going on? Like with the apostle Paul. It was no accident, it was providential, and God was preparing him for him to sit under Gamaliel, the greatest mind in that day, the greatest training, for Paul to have the Pharisee of the Pharisee background. He would have had the doctorate degree. He would have been the master's person. He would have been the kind of person that memorized hundreds, which he did, hundreds and thousands of scriptures of the Old Testament to be a Pharisee of the Pharisee. And so Paul was trained in scripture Old Testament. Paul was trained in philosophy under Gamaliel. Paul was trained in culture. Paul was trained... I mean, he had all this stuff going for him. He had no idea that God would take all of that realm and make it parallel to his purposes so that Paul could write the 14 epistles, so that Paul could go to Mars Hill and say, I'm going to talk to you about the one statue there, the unknown God statue. I know a little bit about philosophy. Let's talk about the unknown God. He could cross over into the intellectual realm, the philosophical realm, the Roman realm, the, the, uh, the Greek realm, whatever realm there was. Paul was comfortable moving in it because he was trained that way. How are you being trained? What is God doing with you? What actually is going on in your life right now that is parallel to the purposes of God? You're having a preview, and part of that preview is what's already around your life. And here's another one. Here's a preview. If you have... A huge amount of hurt, a huge amount of conflict, a huge amount of suffering. It's a preview to the kind of ministry you should have. Second Corinthians chapter one says that. It's a preview. It's, it's God preparing you, not picking on you, not just trying to break you down for no reason. He's actually preparing you to have a particular ministry that would meet the needs of those particular people. Mother Teresa, I always ask people, do you really know what Mother Teresa's number one primary ministry was or life purpose? Most people, all, they all, even last night in the services, people say, uh, yeah, orphanages. No, that was not. Uh, the poor, no, it was not. Yes, it was. No, it was not. 
I have read everything about that lady. It was not orphanages. It was not the poor. It was not even India. Her primary purpose happened in a childhood experience when she encountered people who died, people in her town, people in that particular crisis where she lived, people that died alone. And she made a vow. I will have a ministry that will never let anybody die alone that I can get to. She went to India to collect dying people, only the dying. She did not go to collect the living or the children or anyone else. She went there to find the people on the street that were nearest death and she would take them home, wash them up, hold them by the hand and let them die in her presence so they wouldn't die alone. She was shaped in a natural realm through experience to become her primary life purpose. We could go through a number of people. All right, now, let me close off with this. Uh, there's Matthew 9, also Matthew, uh, Mark 8, these four scriptures you need to read, where it says, and Jesus touched their eyes, Jesus laid hands on their eyes, Jesus put his hand on their eyes, and they were able to see, Jesus touched their eyes. Right through the gospel, it talks about Jesus touching people's eyes. Sometimes he spit on the dirt and put mud, sometimes he laid hands on them, sometimes he spoke to them. Uh, there's a lot of, of scriptures about Jesus touching people's eyes. And this is my prayer today, this is my prayer right now. Matter of fact, I would like you to do this with me right now. Would you just put your Bible in your lap? And if you don't feel too awkward doing this, sometimes I make people do awkward things, but such is my ministry, ministry of awkwardness. I want, you to, I want you to put your hands on your eyes. You probably need to close them. And put your hands on your eyes. And just for a second or two, Would you just let your spirit grasp the fact that Jesus really lived? Jesus really did what I'm doing this morning. He laid hands on people's eyes. And I want you just for a few seconds by faith to say, Jesus, as much as you laid your real hands on those real blind eyes, and there was a real miracle of opening in those people's lives, I believe the Holy Spirit can become the hands of Jesus on my eyes right now. And as I have been blind or it's been obscure, I can't really see the purposes of God or the working of the Lord or I don't have a preview of my future. I don't have a preview of the visions of God. This morning I lay hands on my eyes and I want you to put your hands, Lord Jesus, in my hands. And I want there to be a miracle. I want you to open my eyes to the visions that you have for me. Lord, let me see the future. Lord, let me begin to see the purposes of God in my life. Lord, let me begin to see everything you want to do in and through me in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. So let it happen right now. All right? Let me just close with a couple thoughts that will seal this. And these are just going to be up on the screen that fast. I just want to say them. A personal preview experience usually involves some of these things. Number one, your personal preview experience begins with a God encounter. 
God's got to cross your path. There has to be a God encounter. Number two, your personal preview experience usually will open up new horizons in your life. You'll begin to see more. You'll begin to feel more. There will come a new horizon. You'll look to the left, the right. You'll look into the future and things start popping out for you. Number three, your personal preview experience will open your eyes to the hidden wells of supply blessing and especially the hidden wells of sovereignty like it did for Hagar in Genesis 21. She's in the wilderness. The well was there, but she couldn't see it. And God opened her eyes, it says, and she saw the well. And there she was able to survive and drink in the wilderness. Number four, your personal preview experience can be hindered if you're always indecisive, even when God speaks, even when you know the word of the Lord. Even when the vision comes, you're still double-minded and indecisive. You can hinder the preview of God. There were two fishermen out fishing, and a huge black cloud storm was blowing in over the gulf where they were fishing. And one fisherman says, let's row like crazy and get out of here. The other fisherman says, too late. Let's pray like crazy and believe God to help us. And they start arguing. Pray, row, pray, row, pray, row. Finally, one of the fishermen said, hey, why don't we row and pray? The will of God is usually done by people who row and pray. Not people who just wait for everything. You got to get moving. When that vision comes, start moving toward it. Number five, your personal preview experience lifts you above your past. You're not defined by your past. Your vision is greater than your past. God wants to remove that from you. You begin to see your future. Number six, You should not be limited by people's circumstances or resources. When God begins to open up visions for your life, do not let people rob you. Do not let resources become the dictator to how far you'll go with it. Do not let the circumstance become the dictator to your vision. Begin to move in faith. Let faith have its last word. Let faith speak to people. Let faith speak to circumstance. Number seven, your preview will enable you to persist against all odds. All great people with vision are stubborn. They persist. They never give up. No matter what the odds, a person who has seen it will not give up and give in to someone who hasn't seen it. A person who sees is captured by it. And they'll go through bankruptcies, they'll go through changes, or they'll go through ministry upsets like missionaries that have gone, or pastors or leaders in that realm, or marketplace people, or business people, or whatever realm. In the athletics, we could tell a hundred stories about these kind of people who persisted through what anyone said to them, what anyone tried to do to them. They had a vision of what they could be. They had a vision that was open in their spirit. How much more when the Holy Spirit breathes into the human spirit and says, now this, this is where you can go. Don't give up on it. Can I hear an amen?